Hey everyone, I know it's kind of strange that we're going to open with the quote commercial break, but there really wasn't a, a good time to take a break during this episode because uh, Revnat and Bean and Cable and myself, we just started popping tapache and tasty beers and then just kind of ran with it. Um, so right up front here, I want to, um, you know, give, give a shout out to our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics, bridgecitycomics.com. Uh, books are shipping again. So whatever you're looking for, Bridge City Comics is going to have it. If they don't have it, they can order it for you. Um, I am sure they are taking all the necessary and then some steps to make sure that both their store and themselves and you are as safe as possible while picking up your books. So don't miss the title out there. You know, right now, um, freelancers <clears throat> like yours truly uh, really could use some comic sales. <laughs> Uh, I know that sounds very mercenary, but, you know, also a lot of us are still stuck in the house and comics have always been a great escape and they are even better right now. So check it out. Also, oh, damn, like the old guard drops by the time you listen to this now. Um, so after you have all kinds of amazing fucking fun watching the old guard on Netflix, you'll be like, maybe I should read the comic of which this is based. And you should. So um, hit up Bridge City Comics. They are going to have the old guard. If they have ran out, they will get more for you. Uh, in fact, they're up to volume two right now, Force Multiplied. So if you watch the movie and think like, man, that could have some killer sequels, good news. <laughs> there are sequels, but in glorious comic form. So check them out. Bridge City Comics, bridgecitycomics.com. And then slide on over to 345 Southeast Taylor Street and Guardian Games. They are our longest sponsor, and they continue to be one of our biggest supporters. And now more than ever, we need games. Or we just need stuff to do. Um, I say this a lot of times, like, almost all gaming is going through a renaissance, a golden age right now of board games and card games and, and, and miniature games and RPGs and, and hybrids of all three. Um like, literally, if there's a type of game or genre you can think of, like, it exists. And the odds of Guardian Games having it are are huge. Um, if you like, you know, to really crunch them numbers on the role-played game side, there's second edition of Pathfinder or, God help you, Traveler. Um, but you know what? Maybe if you're, like, like, you're all crunch, you know, or whatever, you just want the story... There are cool games like Fiasco, which is completely story-driven. Fiasco is like living through your own Coen Brothers movie where if things can get worse, they're going to get worse. And it'll be your fault. Um, so, yeah, there are just so kinds of uh, many games out there. You can try it out. And Guardian Games has them all. They are still doing limited contact pickup if you're uh, safer, if you feel better about that. But they are doing in-store shopping. Uh, just remember that you must wear a mask, sanitize yourself, don't spend too much time in the shop, and maintain social distancing, all that good stuff. Uh, they are still card only, uh, no cash. So, uh, yeah, check them out. And when you're there, thank them for not only being open, but for sponsoring Geek of the City Radio. And then finally, uh, you're hearing them on the show this week, but uh, RevNat has been a huge help as we all record the show from our respective rooms and basements and uh, under the stairs or wherever people happen to be these days. So without RevNat, the show wouldn't sound as good as it does. This week's kind of weird because I was literally camping while recording, and now I'm in a hotel room doing a commercial. It's a long story. Um 
But yeah, normally the show sounds amazing, and it's all because of Revnat and his delicious drinks. That's where I have to leave it at, according to OLCC. Anyway, let's start the show proper. Geek in the City Radio, now. One, two, three, four. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. We're going to talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more Factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're going to save the day. All right. Hello and welcome to issue 556 of Geek in the City of Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani. And our special guest this week is Rev Nat, Nat West, who brought us deliciousness. I mean, it's not not that special because I'm here a lot. I mean, it's always special to me. It might not be that special to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, we could not invite you back if you don't find it special. Oh, it's very special to me, but I just wonder <laughs> if people are bored of me. No. Probably. Upvote, upvote the board of Nat poll. <laughs> that seems unlikely. Uh, if left. you... And by the way, just FYI, for some reason, I uh, my stream conks out. Uh, it's because this Winnebago that's attempting to park right next to us doesn't know what they're doing. Super. So there you go. Anyway, uh, I feel like we should just start jumping right into stuff. What do you think? That sounds reasonable. All right. So tonight, well, I guess all week or whatever, but it's uh, because of COVID – Nat had to cancel the greatest holiday in Portland, which is Night of a Thousand Tapaches. Yeah. Um, but he refused to give in to the disease. By that meaning, he still made tapache and then set up a box set. So humanity you could have a festival at home. Yeah. Yeah, humanity will adapt. So in the, in the past, we've always done this Night of a Thousand Tapaches where we take tapache. Come on, background, help me. Uh, take tapache and I sprinkle it across the um, city of Portland to a bunch of different breweries, finding um, the uh, uh, good ones who want to blend it with beer. And they and uh, I, I curate the list with them, work with folks who want lighter beers, darker beers, whatever. Um, really try to find the perfect blend, perfect amount of beer and tapache blended together. Uh, and then we package it all up into one keg and uh, everybody comes to the tap room and... Um, you know, we've had hundreds of people there at the time, so it's pretty fun. Uh, but this year, you can't have hundreds of people. That's the point. Yeah. Um, so we also, by an extension of that, is you can't have, we can't have dozens of breweries. I think last year there was like 23 breweries that did it with us. There was a um, lot last year. Yeah. So we had to, I had to trim down the brewery, number of breweries participating into a more manageable number from a price perspective. Uh, could have to sell, you know, whole bottles or cans of things as well. So uh, this year we had six and some really, a really good spectrum of different flavors. I think it's a very, it's missing dark beer. So note to, note to fall, people who are following along, you might want to save some tapache for dark beer. Yeah. Cool. There we are. And yeah, if you want to buy it, sales pitch, uh, go to the website, click the 90,000 tapaches box 
uh, kit. It's 50 bucks and we deliver it to you. It's got six beers and two bottles of two big bottles of tapache and two smaller bottles, six smaller bottles. And, and cans for folks who don't know, this tapache is not like the stuff you have in the cans because that's basically a rattler that's already been mixed. That's right. Yeah. So I've made straight tapache, regular tapache, traditional tapache, whatever you want to call it, um, in this 22 ounce bomber for many years, I think probably six years at this point. And um, uh, last year we made a little bit of this and this year we made a whole bunch more of this new product called Tepache Cider Rattler where we take, it's, the, it's what's in the background of Aaron's, it's Ooh. over there for me, Aaron's background, <laughs> um, which is Tepache blended with cider because Tepache is designed to be blended um, with something, uh, cider, beer, um, a, a liquor, tequila, rum, uh, uh, pork, ice cream, um, whatever. It's really, um, it makes everything taste better. So, uh, I yeah. just bought ice cream today. I might have to try that out. Oh yeah. I do. Ooh, a, kind of ice, uh, I'm kind of wishing float. I had some ice cream. Yeah. Tapache float, float really sounds good. amazing. Oh, you son of a bitch. Really I'm bastard. To, I'm going to have to buy more now. I don't have any ice cream right now. So, Oh, that's not true. Someone gave me a pineapple, and I made pineapple ice cream with it. Hey. You think that's too much pineapple, though? I don't think... Is there such a thing? I, yeah, no. I, I mean, look at your background, for Christ's sake. I don't <laughs> think it's possible to have too much pineapple. I mean, some people's like, messes with their stomach or whatever, but... Just put a little salt on there. Yeah, there a little bit of salt helps out. <laughs> yeah, pro tip, friends. If you ever give yourself acid, uh, like heartburn or whatever from too much pineapple... More pineapple is the answer. You mm. just got to sprinkle a little salt on there. Excellent. So we're going to start with uh, the Rosenstadt lager, you said? Rosenstadt, yeah. Rosenstadt. And um, nope. I, I, I'm not, I, won't, I won't talk about Tapache anymore, really, because um, we got the whole picture about it. But I, want, I do want to kind of focus on the beers in particular and yeah. maybe a little story about the breweries because yeah. it's good to Especially good because to have breweries need a lot of there. help so This right Rosenstadt... Now. Exactly. Yeah. So um, this is, a, I, I really like this beer um, for, because the beer by itself is amazing, but it's also, um, it's, they, they launched these bottles. They've been around for a couple of years. They launched it in bottles um, for the first time since coronavirus started. So they're a coronavirus business in a lot of ways and um, pretty, pretty young company. Um, if anybody ever drinks like uh, real German Pilsners, this is the closest thing that I've ever had in the United States to a German style Pilsner. And for anyone playing along at home, it's roughly 50-50, right? Right. So um, oh. the lighter beers can be heavier on beer and more full-flavored beers can be lighter on tapache. Um, okay. For light, a light beer like this, 50-50 is a great amount. You might go... You don't you don't want to get more tapache than fifty percent. You could certainly have less tapache than fifty percent. So I think I, I I didn't see how Denise's doing it, but Cable, you're doing it right. Drink the beer to start, I think, and then you can kind of do some blending from there. And see, I tasted it, and uh, it's a little sweet, so I poured in just another dash of water. Yeah, yeah. The worst thing to do is to fill your cup up with something and then not have it. <laughs> so do do small amounts for sure. Sometimes I'll take a whole twelve ounce can of of quote unquote bad beer and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> pour it into a 16 ounce pint glass and then just top it up with four ounces, three and a half ounces or whatever. of Just start tapache. fixing it with tapache. That's how I, that's how I make my cocktails. There you go. And when you're opening tapache, make sure you um, stir, st- stir it up. 
Come on, baby. Uh, because it's very goopy. Um, thick. Oh. So it'll, it'll settle down really well. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you can still I do it. To. There's no carbonation. So stick your finger in it and shake it. It's totally fine. I give it a little. Mm. Yeah, one of these. There you go. Oh, I'm then, probably drinking 25% Tapache. Has anybody else got a blend that they're doing? I think I'm I right. I think I'm about 50. 60 lager, 40, 40 uh, Tapache. Mm. I think one? I'm right about 50 50. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of got that pineapple sweet right up front, but then those Pilsner malts are kind of hanging out in the back end. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. If you think it's too sweet, add some more lager because the lager is drier than Tapache. Tapache is, it's like, um, it says on the side of the bottle, it says how to drink. Don't drink it plain. If you, I mean, it says at the bottom, it says, or drink it plain. But it's like after you've gone through all these possibilities, then you can drink it plain. But it's really designed to be um, blended. So it's, it is that rich sweetness that's not necessarily super great by itself. Nice. Mm. I'm trying to remember. I brought a bottle of something from from your tap room uh, as a, um, you know, you go, to, you go to someone's house and you bring a beverage because they made you dinner. You got to bring something. Right. And uh, I wish I could remember what it is that I brought because they, report, uh, we didn't end up drinking it. And then on another day, they cracked it open with another friend who was visiting and they reported back to me, holy shit, this is like, this is like drinking uh, like a port wine. It's so like rich and delicious mm. like we just have to like we did drink way too much of it but we felt like we should only be having it in these like fancy little increments mm. mm-hmm. whereas tapache is not that way tapache is designed to be drunk by the gallon for sure 3.2 <laughs> percent on tapache um so um humans i don't know all humans or not but there's some science behind that 3.2 percent is hydrating for you um whereas oh, higher really? alcohol is dehydrating yeah, so that's why if you, you, some of the really tough state governments around the country, they have ABV limits, like Utah um, is a 3.2 state. Colorado, right. until recently, was a 3.2 state. They have certain restrictions on, on alcohol higher than 3.2%, and that's, there's a little bit of science behind that number. But this just also, happened to be 3.2%, not because we were hitting anything. Hydrated. It's also funny considering how many breweries are in Colorado that they were a 3.2% state for so long. Yeah, it's like you can only buy beer in the uh, in the liquor stores, independent yeah. liquor stores. You couldn't buy them in the grocery store, but you could buy three point two percent beer in the grocery store. So, okay. um, but even like a fat tire, uh, New Belgium didn't make a three point two percent fat tire. They were like, screw it, we're not going to do that. Right. But recently, they did um, change that law in Colorado. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Mm. Well, we don't have to just like just drink the whole time. We got to talk about some stuff. What, else, what are we talking about today? Well, That's I a mean, good question. <laughs> a good question. We were just going to drink the whole time, really. I think we're all still very tired. Yeah. I think everyone is just always tired all the time. Uh, I forget every year, but the Fourth of July really messes me up. And I got, I was up way too late on the Fourth, and then I slept in late the next day. And now the, my whole week has been shot by that one night of like not having good sleep routine. Yeah, and now, I, now, I, now all week I've been back to my my normal like, sla- like sloth schedule of two a.m. to eleven a.m. sleeping. It it, it kind of just makes for really unproductive days. Yeah. 
That being said, I did uh, I did finish a really big project uh, that I've been working on yesterday, and uh, and then in the middle of the night, uh, instead of going to bed, I loaded up those shelves. I made I put together some shelves and I put it together during the day and then left it. And then at one thirty, I I loaded the shelves up with everything that I had moved around. Mm. Nice. I saw the photos. Uh, it's a good looking shelf. Yeah, painting and staining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It took forever. I, I got that stuff. I had to wait to have it shipped, but I got that stuff in early June and I only just finished. Not to imply that I was working on it like every day, like a job. No, but the the, the type of shelf that you got that took a while to get back in. Uh, <clears throat> right, right. You, you, you guys are trying to get a hold of some and you haven't been able to. We finally, we finally got some on Monday. Oh, that's good. Oh, that was yes. Yeah, I said I ordered this stuff in late May, and they I don't at that time they had not had any sort of supply issues, at least none that I became aware of. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> changed quickly. Yeah, the whole global supply chain is a total wreck right now. I was hanging out with some friends in the bike industry yesterday, and mm-hmm. um, b- bikes are so all bikes are sold. You know, like getting stuff in is super hard. A lot of the a lot of stuff's made overseas, of course, but um, you know, you have to make your predictions in the fall for the coming summer's needs for whether it's replacement parts or clothes or actual bicycles or whatever. So it was really a challenge. And then everybody's got a lot more time, and they don't want to take the um, uh, public transportation places and. Um, bike sales, regardless of the shortage, bike sales are were, were way up until everybody ran out. So, I think every every single industry is is hugely affected, whether it's positive or negative. Hopefully, thankfully, there are some positively affected industries, but right, everything's totally top to turvy. Uh, I went to the grocery store last week, and there's still uh, there's not no toilet paper but there the entire aisle this is a supermarket so you know long big aisles the entire aisle was only front loaded so the shelves look full but it's totally empty besides that behind mm-hmm. that first row yeah. and it's all like the most generic toilet paper i've ever seen some of it was in spanish yo and we I don't live in a like heavily no 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 it's like, like we don't even live in a hispanic no, I know, neighborhood yeah. But that's that's how you know they're like really struggling Dorsing. at supplies. Uh, yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, it was weird because I don't twice. I don't watch a lot of live TV, but every once in a while I will, and I'll get commercials. And Charmin actually has like a commercial that's the equivalent. Like we know that that you're you're concerned, but know that we at Charmin are are on top of it. And in these like, trying times, in these trying times, we'll make sure you can wipe your butt as quickly as possible. I hope his advertisement finds you healthy. That's right. You and your butthole. Sorry, that was... Yeah, took a quick turn there. <laughs> Did you buy the Charmin or not? I'm just saying. No, How long have we been well, I can't afford, there can't afford Charmin. Minutes. Can't afford Charmin. I, I actually did. We did, we bought some like high-end toilet paper. I went to the grocery store. This is probably... We, we actually bought just before the toilet paper shortage started. So we had a, about you know a month. Or, uh, for some reason, I just bought a bunch. And then I got a couple of single rolls, which I may or may not have stolen from my company. Um, right. And then we, then I went to the grocery store, and the only thing they had was like the $9 pack type toilet paper. So I bought it, and boy, oh, boy, it is like 
You get what you pay for in the toilet paper world. I'm, I don't know when's the last time you guys wiped yourself with a roll of nine dollar roll of toilet paper. But wait, one roll was nine dollars. Oh, it's like a out of an eight pack for nine dollars <laughs> right. or something. Okay, okay, eight pack like. is eight pack seems reasonable, but wow, it was expensive. It was like some kind of super quilted something something and ooh. Yeah, there, there's a reason that bidet sales went. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, they did. Increase. I switched, to, I switched to bamboo brand, and there have been no issues uh, in quality or supply chain. Mm. And also, bamboo it, is way more sustainable, so I get to pretend I'm doing something good for the environment. Yeah, because it grows like a weed. There you go. Very well. Uh, the other thing I've noticed, and don't let this make you uh, feel nervous or anything. Um, it's also nigh impossible to buy bullets right now. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's for like a caliber that like no one really readily collects. Like I have a rifle that's a forty five seventy. Like no one stocks those. Like no one stockpiles those things. Five seventy. Nobody has the... that gun. I do. Well, I'm not. I didn't mean to imply. Yeah, no, because I just I you know. Right, but that was the point. Is like it's not even a common gun, so. Like, it's not like everyone's out for this ammo, and yet... Yeah, no, I can get that ammo. That's super easy. But, mm-hmm. like, 45, 9mm, um, actually, it was because we had to go to the sporting goods store a few days ago for something, and, like, it, like that, and that's just gone. There's just nothing fucking there at all. And I was talking to some work here, and they said, yeah, they know our shipping schedule better than we do, and they are waiting outside as the trucks pull up. Wow. Yeah, that's creepy. And even then, they put a cap. They're like, no one can buy more than two boxes. Like, they're not letting it, but they're still, they're blowing out within, like, an hour every time something shows up. So don't panic about that. I always figured those types, you know, just stayed at home and made their own. Like, they had their own chunk, chunk. You know, you would think so, but I think there's just been people that kind of make their own and want to be self-sustaining, and then there's those that are... A, maybe kind of gun freaks and they fetishize them. There's also those that are buying it the kind of the same way we used to buy variant covers in the 90s. They think they can sell them later. Like this, yeah. this rare batch. Well, there there is something to be said if you know that you've got paranoid people in your life and they don't need, they don't have bullets and you've got cases and cases of nine millimeters. Like, uh, boy, that, you know, whatever. That thing you've got over there looks really nice. Want some bullets? You know. Yep. <laughs> the the paranoia I mean, maintains every, the barter system is alive and well in that culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and and in every like post-apocalyptic piece of media that you see, like money out the window doesn't matter anymore. Bullets, bullets and beans. Bullets are your new fucking currency. Yeah, alcohol. I'm just stockpiling alcohol. Yeah. Huge quantities. I, I, only jokingly, I only half joke when I say that's one of the reasons why I got into brewing. So, yeah. I, so I have a, I have a, <laughs> so I have a trade. You have a marketable skill. I have a tradable skill if everything falls apart. Post-apocalyptic <laughs> occupation. When, when, yeah. it all yeah. falls when. apart. I can yeah. also cure meats, <laughs> and I am okay at blacksmithing. So, I guess I would be like a general contractor type, where I'm like, well, I can do some of this. I can do some of that. But yeah, not everything. You're on the right. A team, Bean. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Eric can be on the B team once I get settled down and we need a blacksmith. Oh, man. I, I, I know a little bit of blacksmithing. We don't need Eric. Yeah. I'm going to take my no, He knows more than people. me. All right, what do we move on to next, Nat? What do you think? The numero duo is uh, upright, the second bottle. Not because it's a bottle, but just because that's the right order to do it in. Okay. 
But what is the order? Like, is there a palette yes, uh, timeline that you're working on? Of course. The Let's talk about that real quick. Order of operations. Now, I'm going to give you all a secret because we're all friends here and and I'm whatever. The thousands of people that will download. Yeah, thousands. It's true. You're going to know something secret about pairings. The secret to a good pairing is 20 oh. – percent um knowledge and 80 percent confidence so right. i got the confidence thing taken care of really and you can too was i supposed <laughs> to was i supposed to shake this one a little bit i know too? i just realized no 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 shave it. you can give it a little upside down because it's made with gewurztraminer grapes um so it's going to have some stuff and i just want to look at it, so i got i got a little bit of dick detritus in mind but it'll be yeah. carbonated so don't give it too much don't give up and very go. gentle yeah trust me don't do that yeah i did so, it but i did it correctly. because you just did it 9. i didn't 5%. shake it much no but Ooh. oh yeah those are totally good versus amino grapes Ooh. so upright brewing for you as you guys who don't know was here in portland these are all portland breweries of course and upright is Kind of one of the one of the Ooh. granddaddies of of um, the sort of seventh wave of like a carbonated white wine beer in Portland. Is that a bug or a grape seed in mine? Wouldn't be surprised with a bug. So, and they make they do a lot of um, spontaneously fermented ales. So they don't add yeast to a lot of their um, beers. Wild fermented or open top fermenter. If you ever go to the pub, if you can get the tasting room if you can manage to navigate the labyrinth of hallways to get into upright um you there's um in the corner of their brewery, very small it's in the basement dumbest idea in the world putting a brewery in a basement because everything has to come in and up and downstairs um but they have a little room in the corner that's got a big glass window and in there is their fermenter room and most of what they make is fermented in that is open top fermented so it's just a big open vat they put this right. sweet beer ward in there, and then it just goes by itself. Um, they do all kinds of really cool fermentations. They're not a really, I wouldn't say, a, um, this is the, the most portable format they have, this 375 milliliter bottle, which is like whatever, 12.7 fluid ounces, which is super weird. Um, it's weird. Yeah, they don't make anything. They resisted. That's what that little bump is right there, is the extra point seven. Came out of my upright beer. I wouldn't be surprised. Open fermentation. I was going to make that joke, but I didn't want to cut you off earlier. Yeah. So sour, pretty sour. Um, yeah. The Gewurztraminer grapes. This is in collaboration with Ovum Wines, as if we're supposed to know who Ovum well, which Wines is. is. Funny because the Gewurztraminer wine is usually pretty sweet. I don't like the name Ovum for a winery. Sounds like a. a Fish hatchery, maybe, or uh... or a xenomorph. It's about to like deposit its ovum into you. Ooh. I suppose and that makes all... it less weird. But like, ov- <laughs> uh, you say ovum, and I immediately think of a womb and ovarian tubes. And I just thought of chickens living laying eggs. It's the first thing I thought of. Oh, these are all applicable, and that's just where my brain took me. You know, as a woman, and uh, I wonder if they ferment them in the uh, in those big eggs, those big fermenting eggs. Maybe you know those things no. called. They're called uh, the fast ferments. Cavevri. They're called cave. 
Hold on. Wait, are you making shit up? Because we'll no, believe you. Kavevri. Kavevri. Clever. So I only did about a third tapache to this beer. I kind of like it that way. Yeah, it's either Q or K is the first letter, and then V E V R I. Kavevri. It's these giant clay. Well, they're clay pots. They can be very various sizes, and they're typically buried underground. It's like a alcohol was basically invented in modern alcohol controlled fermentation was basically invented in Georgia. Uh, not the state, the country. <laughs> right. I'm so, sorry. Someone in the chat said, do you mean legs? Which is the le- legs. It's uh, like an 80s brand of nylons that you, oh, the eggs. That oh, you can buy. The, and it, it came in the little, in a little ovum. It came in an ovum. Yeah. <laughs> That's also uh, Star Destroyer engines. Ovums? No, the le- eggs canisters. When they were uh, building what? the Star, Star the Destroyer? First- the first oh, Star Destroyer right. bottles that were used in the movie, the engines are le- eggs that have been painted and put on the model. Oh. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's right. Anyway, there you go. Uh, well, by the go. way, this is nine point two percent, so this is not a this is a yeah. Sharon. This is a Sharon beer. For sure. Sharon. It's definitely tart. I I, oh. I I have just like just a splash more tapache than beer for this one. See, and I was the opposite. I actually wanted to keep it tart with a hint of sweetness. Sweetness. I don't think I'm ready for tart. Sweetness. Sweetness. Sweetness me. Yeah, with, I, the, with the Rosenstadt being like such a like a true neutral type of pilsner. Totally. I, yeah. I wasn't ready for extra tart. Right, and that's the, ba- the the when you're if you're ever like getting somebody into tapache, or you're gonna have a little tapache tasting session. The best, the Rosenstadt is like the baseline lager, and it, it says on the side of the bottle, it says like. Try mixing with a light Mexican lager or Hefeweizen, Kohlschwitz Saison. This is the uprights of Saison. But all these sort of lighter bodied beers um, are a good starting point. Or tequila, if that's um, your. I have done fit. much. I have had many a tequila. Mezcal in general, you know. So. have I never mixed tapache with tequila? I'm pretty yeah. sure I've mixed it for you before. I mean, maybe, but then. You know how my memory. But then, but, but then, as sure, I've night- never done it myself. But then, as those nights, if the tequila comes out, the odds of us remembering those nights. You've yeah, done you, it. I don't. I don't go for tequila. You know, early in the process. Hmm. Now I'm curious. It probably happened during. Any. It probably happened during D and D night, and half of those nights. Mm-hmm. Whatever. No, it, totally. It's the world's easiest to buy a cocktail. Is is uh, a twelve ounce can of light lager, a shot of. I don't like tequila in that case. I like like a pretty smoky mezcal to bring some oomph to it mm-hmm. and then top it up with a few ounces of tapache at that point. So <laughs> easy, delicious. Oh, man. It sounds classy, too. Extremely classy. Drink it with a straw. Pinkies up. Mm. You can put some ice in it if you want. <sighs> That's my Ooh. background there for you, Aaron, is... I got a little wedge of pineapple. You want to have a little backyard party? Get some of this stuff. Cut a cut a wedge of pineapple. Yeah, there you go. On the side of the glass. That sounds good. See, I also like the bottle. The upright brew. I'm a big fan the of the bottle style. Yeah, yeah. I know it's kind of dorky to like talk about bottles, but it's fun. It's a good one. What does Belgian? that? Or, yeah. What does that uh, the, the bottleneck 
being that shape do for the beer? Anything? It, well, uh, it doesn't do anything for the beer. It does something for the pouring process. Mm. So this is a Belgian-style bottle, and um, in the same way that they're French fries, they're not actually, but they just, it's just called a Belgian-style bottle. Of course. Um, and what it, but what it actually is supposed to do, I think it maybe works, is that um, if you see a bottle, if you see... You can tell a lot by the, the contents of of the. You can tell what the contents are of, of a lot of drinks by the kinds of bottle that is selected. So there's a reason why the Burgundy bottle has got Burgundy inside of it and whatever. I don't know all the wines very well, but um, the original use of this bottle was when you have a bottle fermented product, so something that has um, yeast in the bottle, and as you're pouring it, you'll you don't want to just like glug it over because the yeast can get swirled up and you want to potentially leave the yeast in the bottom of the bottle. Um, mm-hmm. And this is like an extra little reservoir. So as it's coming down the, the body of the bottle, the heavier yeast will usually stay down here in the shoulder. But if it makes it past that, it's got another opportunity to stay right here in this little bulge before it comes all the way out the neck. And well, even cool. in, in some really fancy drinking cultures in, in, um, certain parts of Belgium, um, when they deliver you a bottle to your table, it comes with a basket that's like, um, that holds the bottle at about this angle. It's like, imagine my fingers are a basket. So they open the bottle, the, the server opens the bottle for you, puts the bottle gently in this basket. And then you pick up the whole basket and like pour, I guess you can take a bottle too, but you don't, you don't ever put it right back up because you put it back up. Everything kind of swirls around again. Yeah. Act of taking a bottle from upright to yeah. you know pouring. Even totally. if you're super gentle, you're still agitating yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the sediment. Right. That makes sense. So if you hang out with like super duper beer nerds, um, <laughs> and they're you're doing a bottle share, somebody will bring a bottle of whatever Cantillon, and and they'll open it, and then they'll pour it in this person's glass, and then this person's glass, and the whole time they're keeping it at this angle and not like trying to tip it as little as possible keeping it a very oh, steady, okay. continual downward tip hmm. the whole time. Hmm. Try to keep um, the yeast down at the bottom. Also, a quick little fun thing to add, because I know that for some reason there's also still a yeast shortage in grocery stores. If you buy something like this that has like bottle fermentation, if you let that yeast settle at the bottom with that little bit of liquid, um, you can reactivate that yeast and bake with it. You can, you can, repurp- you can repurpose the yeast and get and turn it into whatever you want. Um, yeah. Is, is there a yeast, yeast shortage because everyone's been baking bread? I think, yeah, that was it. Like people were just baking bread and, and not realizing it's that. It's such a low demand in, uh, during normal times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, back now. The, yeah. It's just the supply chain. Yeah. Oh yeah. I finally got some. Haven't used it, but I just right. I wanted to have it in case I. Also, you could literally like buy a couple of organic apples and, put the, you know, skin in some water and you'll get yeast eventually. <laughs> like it'll, it'll get some other fun things. I'm on some other fun <laughs> things too, but yeah, I, I, there was a story I read of people like, there's, I can't bake bread, there's no yeast. And it was a, I think it was a, it was either a chemist or a biologist just did his Twitter thread of like, look, it's, it's real easy. Um, yeast is everywhere. Like even on you <laughs> right now, yeah. you just wash it off yeah. all the time. They're like, you, you, you can get yeast from anything, folks. Let me show you Especially how. Especially you, Cable. I can yeah, just see it because you. you could doesn't mean you should. Yeah, we're not all rogue brewery here. 
I still Ugh, can't bring. I was going to ask you, like, did you ever? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't need it. I don't. I don't I need someone else's bodily anything being mixed into my beverages. I can't do it. I don't know what this is that you're referencing about rogue beer. There, and I don't want to. Oh, okay. I'm sure someone in the chat will say it eventually on our thread. Rogue yeast. I'm, I'm sure. I'm glad. I'm re- relatedly, though, I know of a guy. Uh, he's a he's an internet famous person for his world with plants and like hybridizing and interbreeding. And he oh, yeah. uh, he will use a single beard hair to cross pollinate his different plants. Mm. Oh, well, they, that's okay. That's like how they pollinate vanilla. Is it where they look at with like a paintbrush? Cause mm. they're better at, they're, they're better using paintbrushes. Than it's the closest use. thing to a proboscis that a human has, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Is that what that's called? The proboscis? I like uh, oh, I know it is for mm-hmm. butterflies, like a butterfly, the little thingy that unrolls out of their face is called a proboscis. I don't know if it's the same for all We're insects. Because it, it's a good Butterfly. word. I, like I know. If you can fit proboscis, like proboscis into regular conversation, I think you yeah. should do it. I mean, we've done so. cavevery and we've done proboscis. I feel like so. proboscis is a, a Scrabble winning word. Yeah. Chido Nomori eel has a second set of jaws and teeth in the back of its throat. It has a second set? Yeah, it's kind of like a xenomorph. It actually has jaws and teeth, like, back here. So when it goes to bite, like, the other jaws come out also. So whatever it's biting, like... Like it's a xenomorph. Like, yeah. It's like a Chinese finger trap. It, it grabs you the whole way down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do you think is next? Uh, I think the ruse is next. Okay. And, oh, I don't think the ruse is next. Excuse me. I'm sure the ruse is next. There you go. Because <laughs> remember, you said fake it till you make it or something. Yeah. 80% confidence. You, no. So, okay, I, I lied. It's 40% confidence and 40% re- You just have to have a reason. The 20% helps. The knowledge helps. Experience helps. But you can't just be like, because you just got to say what. So, we're starting off with light because we want to have everybody have the right palette. But we don't want to just go from light to light. So the next lightest one is the Blanca and Bavaria Old Town. But we just don't want to go from light to light. We want to use the light ones to break things up a little bit. With the palette so Upright mm-hmm. is, it was a strongly flavored beer. I am yeah. pretty sure, having never had this beer, that the Ruse is going to be also a strongly flavored beer, but very different. Um, Looks like it's uh, also too... It looks like it's going to be a pretty hazy India pale ale. We'll see what happens. Yeah. There's also two guiding principles in pairings. One is uh, complementary, and the other one is opposition. Makes a lot of sense. You want to pair things that are are complementary and then speak with a lot of confidence about your pairing because they're complementary, like chocolate and peanut butter. Or you want to, or like if you've got like a smoky something and you've got a smoky something else, you can be like, oh, I paired them together because they're both smoky. Mm-hmm. Hey, makes a lot of sense. Or you can do it in opposition and say, I like this because this one is sweet and this one is sour. That's why I pair them mm-hmm. together. Great. Now you two are professionals, pairing professionals. Uh, the same thing happens in graphic design. You either want complementary colors or uh, contrasting. Color yeah. Contrasting. I think colors. this can design is my favorite. Yeah. These. Oh. Is this not the one? You said ruse, right? Oh, shit. I've got, I got the wrong ruse. Uh-oh. Yeah, he he meant the. He also said Old Town, so he meant the Old Town one. Oh, okay. Oh no! Oh, we're drinking ruse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. R- Old Town is next. Okay, this one, right? 
but I have the wrong roots. But are they any different? I mean, mine's called Phantom Shore. Like, and this one's called Psychic Spirals, American yeah. Style IPA. Mm. Yeah, mine's called an Extra Pale, but I guarantee it's the same thing. <laughs> oh man, don't let Rose is your can, is that. your can as cool as this one? I don't know. Take a look. It's got like a, a wave type of scene. Um, it's pretty, you know, but not as cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I look I'm like really we're digging this color can. Palette. Yeah, Bean and I look yeah. like we're part of Madame Velasquez's Theophical Society. Yeah, I'm. I'm like sort of. Uh, uh, what? Uh, I'll go into it later. Madame Blavatsky. Faded. Uh, your cans also rack. disappear Shipping the closer rack. they get to your camera. Yeah, that's why I'm filling my virtual background. You have background. to find the correct angle and distance. There you go. Mm-hmm. Now you can Close see that I'm camping. Close to your face. All right. Not, not glamping. I also have a hard time picking out my beverages because uh, I put these. So now I'm like, which one is which? Who are you? What do you look like? What's your What's your name? Well, yeah, that was my problem with the Woo-hoo! ruse is that I knew I was like, look in my fridge. I knew I had all these in my fridge because I was preparing for this. And I reached in and grabbed the ruse, but it's a different ruse I picked up from the last week. So whatever. Ooh, this is tasty. But they though, are one of those on ruse which makes an IPA every week. And they are, the only it thing is they change very is hobby. like... You, uh, yeah, hops. Like... Uh, can anybody read their can? I would read uh, it to you, but I can't because I don't we're know Loaded up with a couple of our juicy favorites. Uh, El Dorado and Mosaic compose intense notes of candied pineapple and dank stone fruit there in this contemporary go. concoction. Dank stone fruit. That just sounds like you forgot to make it, take advantage of your fruit bowl for way too long. Mm. Um, <laughs> which well, is, I am something I'm extremely guilty of. This is what they did. They just they just they just put a fruit bowl into their their beer. They don't actually add any fruit to these beers. They just use these crazy hops that have really bonkers flavors and um, bring it all together. I like putting tapache with IPAs, hazy IPAs or regular IPAs, um, because sometimes it can be. There's some bitterness that a lot of people don't like, even fairly experienced and mature drinkers don't always like a lot of IPAs. Hmm. Um, and uh, that, because of that, that bitterness level, even if it's a hazy or not, and uh, Tapache can kind of, the sweetness of Tapache can kind of balance out some of that bitterness on your palate. So right. Makes Ooh. everything taste better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried not to do too much Tapache because I do want to still taste the hops, even though I'm not, a, cr- a big hops fan. This is a it just right. Yeah. Gonna, yeah, it's important. Give it, give it like an ounce at a time, and then. Yeah, I only I only went up to the line, but I would say it's right at about fifty uh, fifty on the. I, yeah, I went fifty fifty on mine, and I really like it. I think it's a nice balance. Yeah, I'm at about. It's almost kind of like shape, a. Um, but. Uh, it's almost like a sweeter version or a tropical version of your shoot the glass. Your your hopped cider. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's got. I think because yeah, it's got all that fruitiness in there. A little yeah. bit of sweetness, a little bit of hop character. Yeah, it's also um thick. You know, you got a juicy IPA. You've got tapache, which has already kind of got some stuff in it. So it's it's a it's a thick it's a thick drink. Is what I'm, you know. That's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but you can you can definitely feel it. I don't want to get yeah, all wanky and be like, "Oh, it's I'm, got I'm a mouthfeel." By the way, yeah. Well, that's thick. 
I'm pro ice. If anybody's ever feeling like they want to put ice into Pache, I'm a hundred percent with it. Like you do you. Um, but this could be one that would be fun with ice to be like, chill it out and be good. Nice. Or a wedge of blackened pineapple on the side. Mm. Classy that way. Blackened pineapple. I will. I'll give a, I'm going to give a little shout out to my friend, Chris, who owns a, a bar down on Foster. Um, we didn't, um, we didn't make very much straight tapache this year. We made a lot of the tapache rather cans, but the bottles that we're drinking now, um, we were, we were making our tapache plans at the, at the beginning of the coronavirus. So everything, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, it was like two years ago, but everybody's <laughs> for like a period of like a week and a half, everyone's lives were like, what? And that was mm-hmm. when we were making our tapache decisions and we decided to make less tapache than normal. So now things roll around and we probably should have made the opposite decision and made more. Um, everybody's just sitting home drinking. Um, so we only, I only had a couple of extra cases of the straight tapache and I sold them to Barrio, which is the little <clears throat> micro bar in the Portland Mercado. Mm-hmm. It is a Foster wonderful, and, wonderful little bar. What are they? Yeah. Foster in like 65th or something like that? Something like and, that, yeah. Yeah. And in, in the Mercado, kind of in the front of the Mercado, on the inside part, not the not the food cart part. And Chris there, the mm-hmm. owner, proprietor, bar barman, he's he's such a good a guy. Tipache. He's been such a huge Tapache fan for every every year. And we haven't we don't really sell much Tapache um in we know we don't sell kegs to anybody but him. Um, so he has, he's the only, um, the only place you can get tapache, straight tapache in North America, excuse, uh, America. Sorry. I was thinking, well, you could go to Mexico and get it, um, uh, is at Barrio. We can, we don't even have any ourselves. You have to buy it from us in this kit form, but, uh, right. Chris has it down at the Barrio. I will also add, if you go to Barrio, he makes his own Michelada mixture and yes. it's delicious. Yes, and then he will he you. will tailor the heat to however you want it. Yeah, and he it goes great with tapache. He'll he'll make he does a tapache blend. He'll keep the he'll do the Pacifico with it a lot of times. Um, I think he has Modelo on tap all the time. So yeah, some tapache Modelo and the Michelada salts like super killer. And he doesn't do bottles to go because um, he is he's into community baby. So yeah. um, you can sit outside on the patio there. Um, and drink some um, tapache if you want to have some direct. Yeah. But... And uh, one of my fondest memories of that place was, I think, a couple years ago, because, of course, the, the Puerto Mercado was streaming the World Cup. Mm. Um, although, it actually, it might have been the America's Cup, the one that's just the – basically, it's just the Western Hemisphere teams. And I want to say it was, like, Colombia versus um, – Argentina and just like like his bar was clearly team Colombia and the rest of the Mercado was team Argentina and Colombia was winning but one of the TVs was on like a three second delay so it was great so it was great to hear like you'd hear like no and like oh what's coming what's coming nah yeah it was it was pretty great to hang out during during all the the football matches in that place so Mm -hmm. And also, whenever you can, if you are a soccer fan, you owe it to yourself to go watch soccer in Barrio at the Mercado because it's a 
it's a whole nother experience watching soccer with a bunch of brown people. That, that changes your experience yeah, yeah. when you watch that game. <laughs> and there's all that great food, you know. So the, all these food uh, carts lined up there, and then there's the if you're if you're on there one of those lucky days when the when the uh, the I just the read your shirt is doing tacos. <laughs> you can get yeah. in just such a good place to be. Sorry, your your shirt made me chuckle. A birthday Cabrona? gift. What is Cabrona? Uh, it, there's no direct translation. It's sort of like calling someone a shithead, or like it, 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 you know, Cabrona Perro together, or just a Cabrona bird. Yeah. So like it, it, this shirt basically says like asshole, but cute. Ah. Uh, yeah. I sure. Yeah. Can I have one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this one was custom made. <laughs> What's your shirt size? Maybe I'll loan it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll crop it. Crop top it. Yeah. Uh, This was... (laughs) I would would want to see that. (laughs) I I might pay money for that, actually. (laughs) The first night night we can all go out, we'll give them the crop top version of that shirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you have hoodies, right? You've got Reverend Nats hoodies. We're low on hoodies. You have your own one, right? You surely you have one. I own a couple myself. Yeah. Take one and turn that into a crop top. Nothing. Nothing says thought like uh, a crop top hoodie. Also, don't call him Shirley. I mean, you got the zipper like halfway up. Well, no, no, the whole, the whole hoodie, like the whole, like the torso part of. Either way, either way is fine. I'll do uh, but like the point, the point, the point is the same as any crop top is that the torso stops, yeah. you know, halfway down. Yeah, I'll do that. Long arms, big puffy hood. Mm-hmm. Most of my beer gut hanging out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. I'll make sure I'll send you pictures, Denise. All right. Just what are we? What are we moving on. on to next year? B and B Blanc and Bavaria. Old Town. He's in order. Okay. In my Old bag. Town. I'm still in my first bottle this. of Depache, by the way. I've been. Yeah, I've me been... too. Okay. I want to make sure I, I think it's okay. It I know how no, these think... usually go. Is like we sample everything, and then after that's done, we still have more show to do. So that's when you kind of. Oh no! Yeah. I meant keep, the, like a, keep enjoying. The ra- I meant the ratios. Yeah, I mean, I'm not drinking all the, every bottle of the beer either. So I kind of put the kit together as a two person. You know, no offense to those of you out there who are just crushing all the way through it, but I mean, um, I mean, I mean good you. for you. God bless. I kind of put it together thinking you know, you could share it, but you don't have to share but it. It's totally I'm, fine. You don't hear her, but in the background, uh, my lovely bride about every five minutes pops her head in and says another one, and she grabs the other. She grabs the beer that I haven't drank that I haven't finished. Yeah. Oh no! So, but but that means that once all of the sampling is over, you won't have your pick of what to like full on have, right? Because that's what you do at a at a a, a thousand uh, tapaches type yeah. event. You taste that, everything, and eventually you're like, all right, now now that I've tasted everything, I'm gonna go back for full glasses of X, Y, and Z. That's yeah, true. Totally. But so far, the only one that I would kill more of is the uh, the Rosenstadt Lager, and I have some of that at home already, so I'm okay. Yeah. That being said, of the three that are next, if there's one that I can't part with i'll just move it aside <laughs> plus right now she has further away from the door plus right it's now she down. has that beer made with a gewurz demeanor and that's got that's 9.2 percent that may slow her i'll take you a minute to get through yeah. <laughs> right. 
And see, I, I live with a teetotaler, so all of this is for me. And they're all open now, Drink so... Up. Well, at least and I know that, and I know Kate. I know Merrick. She's more of a dark beer person, so this may not be her jam. She is. That's uh, that's why I'm I'm curtailing how much I'm doing this evening. Yeah. But, oh, uh, well, so you can also, if, if you're a solo drinker, mm-hmm. open the bottle of Tapache, drink two beers with your, you know, do do two pairings a mm-hmm. night. The Tapache, you probably won't get through the whole bottle of Tapache, but there's no carbonation in Tapache, so stick a cork. Just go to your cork drawer wherever and find a cork that'll fit you'll find one that fits there's a couple of sizes of corks in the world but this is a fairly standard one plunk it in there stick it in your fridge you've got a week two weeks on the outset to get back into that bottle of tapache so nice it's definitely you can definitely do this you know by yourself over the course of a couple of um days or even a couple of weeks if you want to come back to it so a i love that you assume that everyone has a cork drawer well, I, I I mean, I have like a cork jar, giant jar, but, you know. Uh, and two, uh, something that I've done in the past is if I can't finish something, but I definitely don't want it to go flat and go to waste, um, I will put it in the best-sized jar, like canning jar, oh, yeah. for the amount of liquid yeah. that I have, seal that off, and stick it in the fridge. Totally. So this is a 22-ounce bottle of Tapache. Let's say you get halfway through it find yourself a pint jar in, in your cabinet or whatever. Yeah. Uh, again, no carbonation, pour it in there, put the lid on, stick it in your fridge. You're all set. Yeah. Speaking put of it in bottles, a water bottle. doesn't matter. Speaking <laughs> of these bottles now, I'm curious, do you know why this size bottle was called a bomber? No. Although, okay. I was, you know, what, I, we're all, we're all trying to get better in our lives. And I wonder if the word bomber has some sort of bad connotation. I mean, I feel like half the curious. slang we use probably had something horrible in the background. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know why, but I was actually gonna make when I was writing the the the, the copy for this night of a thousand, I excluded the word bomber from that conversation because because there's got to be something about that word. Like, and twenty two ounces is such an odd size. It's I not a pint. It's, it's not an yeah. imperial pint. It's just yeah. It's not close. It's not even close to five hundred milliliters. So it's it's not a relatively bad. modern size. It probably didn't exist in the same. Um, capacity that it exists now, like in the 50s or 60s, it probably okay. is a relatively modern size. So now we're on the Old Town's Blanc. 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 It's Bavaria. Yeah. New wave lager, they call it. Sort of a little bit of a hoppier lager. Um, it's got connotations of Rosenstadt, but yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna call out um, the guy who makes this beer, uh, particularly because he is antisocial. Um, but he won't mind that I call him antisocial because he acknowledges it. Um, right. His name is Andrew, and he's the um, the the brewer at Old Town. And um, for those of you who've been playing along with the Reverend Nat's home delivery game for a little while, you know that the <laughs> we've been selling um, Old Town beer since the beginning, along with our ciders. And um, I think they're the most, I continue to think they're the most under, I'm doing such a bad job promoting them, but they remain the most underrated brewery in um city of portland i've been i've been praising them for a while now since you kind of got me on the old town train it's so it's it's such good beer and it's so anti so so low hype i won't say anti-hype but low hype um which i like that i don't like hype hype beer so much um but andrew the reason that they're able able to make um fantastic classic 
German styles. Um, Pilsner is really good. Their award-winning Shanghai IPA is one of the most awarded beers um, in Oregon, probably top five most awarded beers in Oregon. Um, uh, is because he worked for many years as the head R&D brewer at Sam Adams, like the giant quote-unquote craft brewery. And, and when you're the regardless- head R&D brewer for a giant brewery like that, you make – uh, 250 beers a year, probably. And so, and, I, and I've heard has... people like give Sam Adams, like Sam Adams beer, like shit for, oh, they've sold out, whatever. I don't, whatever your opinions on are fine, but yeah, they also don't make a bad beer. Like, no, exactly. If he was, they don't make anything that's not the number one best ever, but they right. make everything that's the number two best ever. I mean, consistency right. is good. Consistency right. has its merits. Um, real quick, uh, uh, Ken in the chat, our friend Ken, says that uh, bomber is a reference to the B-22 bomber from World War II. I actually was just Googling and looking for a couple different answers, um, and the general consensus is that people aren't really sure where the term comes from, but that it predates uh, World War II. People just tend to think. Like, the most common belief is that it's, re- uh, it's a reference to the bomber. I do like, from- uh, I think Cable put in the chat, uh, other beer historians cite the possibility of the term coming from the word bumper. Bottle terminology brought from England, where it was used generally to any beer bottle larger than a normal serving. And, but, it, but that's, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not calling bullshit on you, Caleb. I'm calling bullshit on oh, wait, that post. Unless, because, I don't, did Cable post that? Like a bumper, gro- like a bumper yeah. crop? But, almost? but, but in England, a uh, 23 ounce pour is a standard pint. Mm-hmm. Wait. Uh, That's an imperial pint. Is it a twenty-three ounce pour? That in in a lot of pubs they pour have twenty-three ounce glasses. Oh. So I don't know where the twenty-two is. That's weird. They have the nineteens, which is the Nonic pint. But well, it's like, like I'd a always small heard, pint. I always heard the rumor that the reason why growlers are called growlers is because the back of old tap systems when you used to bring in your jar. It was the sound that the tap made as it was being filled. It would go. Because it would lose pressure as it was dumping more and more without it being oh, kind of reset. You're pouring so much at a time. You're pouring so much that it was losing gas without being reset. So at the end, it would go, and they called them growlers. Uh, I heard that it was growler because as you're walking the pail home, it would growl because of the carbonation escaping. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, and I, like, says- I like either of these, really. And Sack says that basically it's the, you know it's the same thing as uh, the way people tap a pack of cigarettes, which by by which I assume he means the meaning is not even relevant anymore. It's it's like Just an outdated concept yeah. that mm-hmm. doesn't apply to current. Uh, All right, well, so I guess we're allowed to keep calling it a bomber. Yes, for now. But it's also a twenty-two ounce. Like when I go to coffee places. I just order a 12 ounce Americano, please, because I don't ever know what they're going to call their various sizes. Right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Starbucks. This is the 22. So, this uh, Blanca Bavaria, I went 50 50, and I'm pretty happy with it. I did too. And that felt quite right to me. So, yeah, Yeah, I think it's got a little more flavor than the Rosenstadt. Um, Maybe it's not as nuanced. It's a little bit more more of a, a brutalistic beer than definitely not brutal, but a little bit more in your face than the Rosenstadt. Right, like basically the uh, the ruse wanted to get a little bit more uh, complex in like how many yeah. flavors are being included. so many flavors, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the old town is just up straight up and a little 
yeah. a little more assertive in the yeah. in the fewer notes Absolutely. of flavor that it has. Absolutely. So. You know, one thing I like to a, a, a piece of terminology that I like to use. When I'm talking about um, beer primarily and flavor in general is the concept of volume. And I don't hear people use this word very often when they're talking about flavors. And I think it's a really useful terminology because, um, like, the difference between um, a lot of these beers are, are the, the flavors that are being presented, which may be considered to be the notes that are being played, but how loud is it? How impactful is it in your mouth or how right. delicate and subtle it may, it may be a ton of complexity in there, but it's very, very low volume. And I think the Rosenstadt for instance, is the, is a very um, low volume beer. It has a lot going on, but if you're not really, if you can't really listen to it really, really carefully, you might not, hear or taste some of the flavors that are in there. Um, there is a lot of complexity in the Rosenstadt. And I actually think there's less complexity in the Blanc in Bavaria, but it's a louder beer. So what's yeah. there is more, fr- it's easier to like, oh, I can pick this out and this out and this out. It's all there. Um, but there's less ultimate complexity there. That may be, everybody's palate's different. Unlike eyesight and hearing and touch, which everybody shares far more commonality than um, smell and, and taste, which are totally subjective and totally. Right, yeah. So it's, it's totally weird how we got five senses and one of them is a total joke. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is just an asshole. Yeah. I will say really quickly back to old town. Um, I'm not like the biggest IPA fan. Uh, that being said, um, I've never had a bad beer from old town. I've had no. beers that aren't my style, and I can acknowledge that, but also know that it's really fucking well made. You know. Yeah, they make that that Shanghai that I mentioned. They make their Pilsner, which is super highly regarded, and then they make these hazy IPAs. They have this rotating series of hazy IPAs which are super trendy. And that haze really of our beers. lives is magical. And I don't even I'm, again. Uh, the new good. one we just posted, the purple one that we just posted on the website. Ooh, I haven't had that one yet. A, called, there's a new one. I'll have to order it. Uh, they use all these like soap opera names. I can't remember. It's a purple color, haze of our lives. Um, that's funny. Can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, Blanc and Varia. It's got um, Mandarina Bavaria hops and Hallertauer Blanc hops, both pretty classic German hops. Hallertauer. I'm pretty like sure these are these are Oregon grown hops, um, whereas the Rosenstadt is literally hops and grain imported from germany so oh, there's shit, just really? something about growing wow. stuff here versus there that you can't recreate howler tower hops are some of my favorite that i brew with mm. so there you go whereas i've never really been a big howler tower fan because i don't drink them out i don't oregon grown howler towers i guess are not my favorite hop but um german howler towers or czech howler towers are probably i usually get better. the i usually get the czech ones yeah you can get them at the Steinbarts. yep I mean, freeze-dried yeah. pellets, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can. No, it should be good, you know, as long as it's one of the, in the last six months or whatever. One of, the, <laughs> one of the oldest homebrew shops in the country. Yeah, survived the prohibition. <laughs> they did, by selling freeze-dried raisins with sugar and a note that says, warning, do not add this with water. Do not store it in your <laughs> cabinet. Yeah. A practice that still rings true today. You know, it's illegal to make a homebrew in Japan. I, I'm not like a authority of countries around really? the world, but I'm, I'm a bit of a Japanophile. Uh, Sinophile, what's the word? Um, 
illegal home brewing. Yeah, <laughs> really unenforced. But I talked to a, I had a little so say uh, that's sort got of a freebie that's got consulting a... gig I did last week. Yeah, and the guy was like, "I've been doing a lot of home brewing, but don't tell the government." <laughs> I'm gonna say for a country right, that's man. got such a quickly growing craft beer industry, it seems like I bet you people are there's a lot of home brewers in Japan. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just a tax thing, you know. They want to make this, they don't want people making their own stuff without. I've, I've told people. Taxation. I said Japan is what like America was in the early '90s in terms of the craft brew industry. Totally. They're, like they're 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 ramping up fast. A bunch of bad beer being made. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but to do that to get to the good ones. There yeah. are some amazing ones. Yeah, and and the improvements are like really fast. You know, every year the beer gets better there. Like yeah. no. Across the board, every year the beer gets better there. And by the way, if you're in Japan, you're a little tiny kind of crap brewery. If you tell them you're from Portland, they won't charge you anymore. They'll just pour you everything. Your money's not good. Your money's not good. They can't wait to pour you beers and show off their beer. You're from Portland? They want to pour everything for you. (laughs) And it may be cheesy, but buy a pair of those Portland Airport socks before you go to Japan. (laughs) I was going to say, like, cut to me, like, accidentally packing nothing but, like, T-shirts that have Portland. Portland and Portland yeah, totally. it's worth and it. all totally over them. Worth it. I would <laughs> actually go one further, buy several pairs of them. Yeah. And wow, use, yeah. And use them as omiyagi whenever Ooh, you do that. Yeah. yeah idea. That is an excellent yeah. idea. It's flat, it packs well, relatively inexpensive. Yeah. 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 It's not too expensive that they feel compelled to like keep going with you back and forth. So there's actually yep. a side street. Good. I forgot what uh, neighborhood it was in Tokyo. That's... Wherever they are in the afterlife are very happy. I, I, I mentioned. Usually when I go, I try, I try to bring like bottles of stuff, but the socks is a much better idea. Yeah. Wait, Cable, I couldn't hear, but I really want to know what, what, it, what, is, what it was I you said, were saying oh, about your grandparents. Somewhere in wherever the afterlife is that my grandparents are, they were like, mm, he remembered Omiyagi. Yeah. Good. We raised him well. Yeah. I was, That's I forgot. Right, because... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, that's great because uh, usually when I speak Spanish uh, around the house, uh, which is rare because uh, I don't have any f- other fluent Spanish speakers, uh, it's at my pets, and I'm usually swearing at them. So <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, uh, if you're only going to occasionally use your heritage language, you know, like once in a while, then I think cable, you're doing the better job of it. That's good because when I when I try to no practice Japanese mine around Bean, she just makes fun of me. I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't discourage you. Isn't her default just to make fun of you? Right. I mean, she makes fun of me when I speak English. So. <laughs> That's not true. That's true. Look what your uh, shirt says. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. I'm correcting you, no, and true. that is my default. Yeah. That is her default. Mm. All right, we got two left. Okay. We're saving the best for last. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I want to do the Mary Dankster Great Notion. I was definitely uh, interested. I will in this admit one this one has me. Con- this one so. This one has me concerned. Yeah. A because if I see the words, well, is double- it too psychedelic? What? Yeah, it just looks like a can that I would buy at a fish concert. And if anyone knows me, knows I would never be seen <laughs> dead at a fish concert. Yeah. And the fact that it's a double no, India totally pale ale. So, I know. Yep. I was. And you guys have to notice on the top for mine. It's it's it, yours will be up in the shoulder here. There's some printing. Um, it'll mine say, says what a trip. What a, what a, what a trip, trip it's, it's been. been. Ah. Yeah. 
Is this the uh, is this the canning date then? Yeah, six twenty six. So this was we. Um, oh, I thought that was a five. We were able to sell this really quickly after canning for sure, uh, which is kind of the deal with a lot of these hype beers. I just said I don't like hype, but hype, hype beers. But these um, these guys are friends of mine. If you guys know great news, I, I have I'm like a very good predictor of a future brewery success. I knew James, the main brewer, before he opened Great Notion, and I was like, "Don't do it! Don't start a brewery! Don't do that!" And Great Notion subsequently became one of one of no the most hypey brewery in Portland. Is that fair? Is that why you tell me not to do it? That seems fair. Um, So don't do it, Eric. He doesn't want competition. Just like Great Notion. Uh, I actually still, I actually still have the, actually still have the post-it from the last time Nat you were actually able to hang out at my house. I actually have the post-it where you wrote on there, this beer is great. Don't open a brewery. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what the beer was. You just went it's like, like the best way to. Nice. Well, like the, know, better the beer is, the less you should make business I'm, out of it. I'm sure, the, I'm, sure it, it, the, his, I, I'm sure that Nat's, uh, like his intent is somewhere along the lines of like, you know, a comics kid, they'll break your heart. And yeah. uh, the uh, the correction of the phrase, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, where it's actually crossed out and says, when you, lo- when you love what you do for work, you'll never enjoy it again yeah. and work yeah. constantly and have nothing but stress and anxiety and financial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like the idea, though, of Nat West Done. being the Jack Kirby of brewing. <laughs> <laughs> they Pretty also much. both enjoy punching Nazis, so there's also that. Can't wait. There you go. See, the parallels are already there. So what is what is his cider version of the Kirby Crackle? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Maybe. Kirby Crackle was um, game-changing, right? It was this, like, unique thing that no one else was mm-hmm. doing, and it became the mm-hmm. standard, right? Well, then I would I would assume that's the Depache. A lot of yeah, places are like, doing cider. It got popular again. Yeah, like, different, like... In the same world, but really different, yeah. right? Either I'm that not gonna or lie. The, uh, it wouldn't hellfire, maybe. I'm not going to lie. I just smelled Mary Drankster, and I haven't drank it yet. And I know it won't taste this way, but it yeah, it's got a it's got a nose to it. Dank. That's one so way. The to concept call of the it concept kinda of like dank kind of smells like a cow patty to me. No offense to you, fine folks at Great Notion. Yeah. But I just yeah. drove past Tillamook, and it's a really similar aroma. Yeah, I, I don't think the folks at Great Northern, Great Notion are going to take offense. They making strange and unusual beers is kind of their thing. Yeah, and, and you have to respect that, whether even if it's not for you, as long yeah. as they're doing good works in the community or whatever. Like I, I still have three tall boys of uh, double jammy pants in my fridge right now. Hmm. Double jammy pants sounds like you've got a problem, friend. Well, it's twice as good as jammy pants. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a double-sized jammy pants. Yeah, you have pants. twice as many jammy yeah. pants. I, nope. Nope. I cannot uh, I cannot abide by this. Hey, um, the best part about the these beers that Great Notion makes is that, or best part or whatever, most noticeable global part is that they sell out of everything like really quickly and most of the beers that they make almost all the beers that they make are one time make only so Mary Dankster has never been made before and never will be made again um, 
they have a couple of you know go tos their juice and the juice junior and stuff oh here we go uh, uh one here. one this listener this is the extra extra large jammy pack. Is that a little gnome? It's a dude. Oh, it's a dude. I don't know. There was something gnomish about him. And those are his Double pants. Jam. His pants full of jam. Uh, okay, so one listener is saying, "Great notion might be the hottest brewery in PDX right now, but there are better breweries." Rose and Stat. Rose and In my honest opinion, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, um, <laughs> another listener, I said not, but also a different listener says that the Dankster is the pizza cutter of beer. It's all edge. And, uh, Bex, I'm inclined to agree because it's just, it's like cutting my mouth yeah. up with hops, hop razors. Well, so the, the 900,000 Depache's kit, 900,000 in general, Reverend Nats, back, back way up here, Reverend Nats is, we are a very beer aligned, uh, cider. Um, we do tons of collaborations with breweries. I've, I've, I've done like two collaborations with cideries ever. Um, we do multiple events, not just night of a thousand that partner with breweries. There are regularly beer only events where we are the cider exception. Um, you know, you go to a lot of brewery tap rooms and the guest cider is Reverend S. So we're heavily, heavily aligned with the beer industry. And so the night of a thousand tapaches is an extension of that or, maybe a, a, an exclamation of that because it relies and, on breweries in order to exist yeah and it relies on beer drinkers so this is in a lot of ways tapache you know i can't tell you how many times i meet people who are firmly in the beer industry around the around the country around the world and they say oh i love your tapache they don't talk about viva la pineapple or whatever whatever the beer community really loves tapache has embraced tapache mm. as a beer um, accoutrement. So, Accompaniment. Um, these, yeah, the, exactly. These beers that, that I selected, uh, that I worked with these guys, with these folks to select are really representative of what's happening in the Portland beer community overall. They're not necessarily my favorite beers by any means, but they're a, a representation of the variety of pairings that you can do with Tapache and an example of what's happening in, in the beer, um, overall beer would community you, right now. Would you say so, that Portland is still kind of leading or one of the leaders in, in craft brewing in the country right now? Yeah, uh, Portland, the city of Portland has uh, lost a lot of luster in the last 20 or 30 years in a lot of ways. Um, but beer uh, is not one of the ways that we have um, stepped stepped back. I know I, when I travel internationally, uh, I, I lead with Portland. Nationally and internationally, I lead with the fact that I'm from Portland. I rely on that as a um a bit of credentials mm-hmm. right. more so than my cider even so for sure so with the mary dankster i kind of went two-thirds to pache one-third dankster yeah i'm i just did the crazy thing of adding the last little one finger of my rosenstadt bottle to this dankster and to pache yeah i should have I, I, done that but my wife took rosenstadt from me yeah yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I, I want, like, I know that my instinct was to like drown out that much hoppiness um, and bitterness uh, with tapache, but I, I'm like, well, that's just cheating. You're, you're defeating the purpose now. No, no, no. The so purpose I is sh- to enjoy yourself, Bean. You, that's the goal <laughs> of life. 
How about some of the forehands mixed in with the dankster? Oh, together. Yeah. Wait, just just forehands and dankster, or also tapache? Tapache. One third, one third, one third. Okay. That's what I would do. Okay. Damn it! I shouldn't have let my wife take my other beers away. Let's just blame everything on her, Aaron. That's fine. Okay. I think that's about the one, one time one. I can. Normally, it's not. Uh, well, no. So what I was saying is, like, I I wanted to drown out the the dankster just because I I don't I just don't like it, uh, but I didn't want to like. I don't know, give, do it a disservice in the mixing concept. So I went like half and half and I'm still not loving it. So here's, oh, yeah. the, here's the one, one, one. It's important to take a taste and then realize you don't like it and then adjust. But you should mm-hmm. take a taste and then realize you don't just go for what you know you're going to love. Take That's fantastic. Because now one, you've got one, that third, like, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let me double read this guy. There's more citrus in this, huh? In the forehands? Oh, no. That's the, right. that's the one with the grapes. Grapes, okay. exactly. But now you've got the bitter, the sweet, and the tart. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a nice mix. I I do enjoy that. This that yeah, way. this four hands. So, just to talk a little bit about value, I was trying to price this this thing, and I was looking up the various prices for these four hands. And Alex at Upright gave me a huge deal on these Upright bottles because I didn't. I don't want anything bigger, any bigger bottles. This is like a a $12 bottle in the stores. Uh, this is four hands. Um, wow. Thankfully, the Rosenstadt was a little bit less expensive. Um, kind of came all together, but it's a pretty high-end beer for sure. Which, by the That's way, the kind of beers the- that he makes are just these really crafty high-end beers. I just want to say, by the way, when you listen to this podcast, and if you go onto RevNet's site and – if the Tapache gift set is still available, it's probably one of the best deals out there ever. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's not a lot of money for how much booze I'm looking at right now. I, yeah, yeah. And really designed for two people, it, as I mentioned. Yeah, I had at least two coworkers. I like I forwarded the email to them. They're like, bought my box. Mm-mm. Yeah. We're about uh, halfway our- through. We made 160 kits, and when I checked before the session started here we we're at about 75 kids nice. yeah, our, our, our friend ken sent me a text and he's like i live in vancouver can i just send it to your place and i'll come get it i'm like yeah that's fine man <laughs> totally yeah. uh and i should say it's not just a great value necessarily but it's also an expertly curated selection <laughs> and i i you know maybe not everybody needs that some people are enough of like beer insider connoisseurs that they know what they're doing they don't need your help but, you know, if you're not, or if you just want to, like, hand over the reins and just enjoy it, uh, yeah. that's that that should definitely be a factor in considering this kit. Well, and, and the curation, you know, I, don't, I, I won't take too much credit for it because I have worked with all these breweries in the past for the Night of a Thousand. So it wasn't, it wasn't me, like, you know, sniffing corks and swirling with my pinky out. It was me talking to these brewers and saying, um, this thing you did two years ago, this thing you did three years ago, this thing you did last year, um, what are you going to do this year? Um, and I did keep a little spreadsheet, like the light beers are taken. You can't have any more light beers. So we make sure we got some, some, some of the different boxes checked. But it's just been really, really amazing. Um, you know, to your point, Aaron, like is Portland still this great, you know, the greatest right. craft beer community in the uh, um, United States? Yes. And I think it's, you know, things like Tapache have been super thankful that it's been embraced by that community. And Every brewery in the city of Portland knows what Tapache is and has done a pairing with it already. It's I've yeah. essentially done, you know, dozens of collaborations just I mean, you, Tapache. The only thing you're missing is a really good mead, but I'm not there to bring it, so. 
Well, uh, me, me and Tapache sounds like too much. I know, oh, I know you're curated. actually just trying to fuck with Nat right now, but meat and Tapache together? I don't know. I, I brought it last time and that meat got destroyed. It got drank so fast. <laughs> destroyed or drank? Drank, you monster. Okay. <laughs> right, let's check it on that. Don't give him any ideas. Actually, I think the thing I brought to the night last time was my uh, the Drink Deliciously cider. That and the tamarind cider. The tamarind mm-hmm. is so good, Aaron. I got to remake. I got to make that one again. I love that tamarind one. By the way, um, I'm seeing a lot of comments in the chat that um, uh, Saint Citron is like people's favorites uh, of your mm-hmm. ciders, Nat. Uh, and I have, like, I want to, I admit, it was not my favorite at first. Recipe I don't know, changed. I don't, I mean. it, it's definitely changed. It's one of my go-tos now. Um, but, uh, but at first I was like, eh, it's, it's, it's good, but it's, it wouldn't be my first choice. So for the, um, the, uh, I'm going to try to find some place for the, um, uh, St. Citron fans out there. Um, there is a Thai place on Sandy. I'm, Google mapping it right now. Is it Chaba Thai or Thai uh, Seasons? No. Uh, neither one. Uh, Mika. Oh, okay. yeah. That's Not that Chaba. big one. Vietnamese. Mika. It's got all the glass on front. Yeah, yeah. and they have oh, a, okay. a big yeah. old parking lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mika. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Mika. So they have a um, – the inspiration for St. Citron – was from a drink that I had at, at Mika, M-E-K-H-A, on the corner of Sandy and... Uh, some, I want to uh, say it's like 60-something. Uh, 60, 69th. Um, they have a salted kumquat drink, non-alcoholic, um, that is just a crazy... Talk about volume. There's two ingredients in here so not complex but the volume is like four million it's crazy the amount of flavor they pack into this thing and they salt cure kumquats chop up the kumquats like kind of dice them up pack them in salt and then forget about it you can that's that's done at that point for a hundred years those kumquats (laughs) could stay in that thing Mm -hmm. and then when you order it they scoop out some of this salted kumquat chunks it's not goo it's just it's dry, dry-ish. Put it in your glass. Uh, put some simple syrup in there. Uh, soda water, ice. You're out the door. First time I had this thing, I was just blown away. They also make one on the menu that's like a lime one, maybe, or a lemon one. Don't get that one. Oh. Just get the kumquat one. And nice. uh, I was amazed by this. And I did, so I did, at that point, I did a ton of research into citrus because the world of citrus is like really weird. Citrus fruits are not like any other fruits out there. I, I, yeah, you we, went down this we rabbit hole a lot of times. It's a different episode talking about yeah. it's like citrus fruits are super weird, um, like taxonomically and historically and they're like, and stuff like one that. of the oldest fruits um, they can trace, right? Isn't that that weird? Yeah, if for some reason the science has worked out that they can track every it's far easier to track the heritage, heritage with the I don't know, uh, history, life, We've or been whatever drinking. of heritage citrus fruits, yeah, um. Well, heritage sort of implies intelligence. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, citrus done. Saint Citron done. 
I always tell people that St. Centron is basically like drinking summer. Yeah. It's very sure. summery. It's good for you. It's got salt in it. Hmm? Yeah. Cats like St. Centron too. My cat. All right, we're gonna move on. Are we gonna move on to the last one? Last one. Now, did you save the best for last, or was it just a uh, terms of like taste choice? Uh, taste choice. So this is the only, other than the Rosenstadt, which I drink a lot of by itself. This is the only other one that I'd had out of the kit. Um, I, I I did some selecting two weeks ago when we were doing it, but sitting this down and doing complex, the whole the pairing. This got a lot of stuff. So this beer is kind of hot right now. Von Ebert um, is um, a brewery that is operating out of the former um, Fatheads space in the Pearl. Yeah. Um, they kind of it's, it's basically the same team, but they shed the corporate overlord of um, Fatheads, and now they're running their own business. They also have a food cart somewhere, and they have a spot on the Glendevere Golf Course on like Halsey and One Millionth or something. Oh, like raspberry. Um, yeah, so this is like a, a lightly soured. If you like sour beer, um, you'll like Ooh. this one. If you're not sure if you like sour beer, you'll probably like this one because it's not very sour. But raspberries, strawberries, and cori- coriander's light. I wouldn't go call it a coriander beer by any means. But but the berries right super on the good nose, fruit though. things. The moment you smell it, the berries there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little funk of Ooh. sulfur in the can. As as I a little bit, but that comes with the fruit. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited to try this. So my coworker Brad was like, "Oh, you gotta get the drink me potion from Von Ebert." So when I reached out to them a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Do you have any drink me potion?" And they're like, "Yeah." I I was initially hesitant to not do a drink me potion because I'm like super anti J.K. Rowling right now, but I think this is more like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, drink yeah, me yeah, is it's, Alice in Wonderland. It's right. Alice in Wonderland. But the font's not, a little not Harry that Potter. I don't have my doubts about C.S. Lewis, but, you know, That guy's super dead, so it was a little bit less of an impact. And C.S. Lewis was trying. He wasn't, well, I guess, well, I was going to say he wasn't hiding, but J.K. ain't hiding either, so. I will, I will always give C.S. Lewis some credit in that he was also open to having his mind changed. Yeah. Rowling, clearly I not. Like, I, I, I'm just suspicious of his relationship with the the girl that he wrote Alice in Wonderland for. That's not C.S. Lewis. Yeah, You're that's Lewis Carroll. That's Lewis Carroll. Lewis, Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland. Oh, C.S. I'm sorry. The looking no, glass totally right. did C.S. Narnia. Right. Oh, that's why, because I recently <clears throat> listened to that as a audiobook to help yeah. me sleep. C.S. Well, so the, C.S. The weird Lewis thing about with Tolkien. Yeah. yeah, the weird thing about C.S. Lewis is that he started as an atheist, and someone challenged him to research that, and he became he, – it actually did the exact opposite. He became I mean, a Christian. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of where he came down, but he also had, like, a weird connection to it. He wasn't um, – there was nothing, like, fundamental. Like, he ended up writing a bunch of, like, books about basically, like, Satan complaining to God, being like – you gave these people all these things, but then you, had, but then you were kind of a dick to them. So he became religious in his final years, but found the church incredibly problematic and angering. It was weird. Yeah, it's a big difference between being a Christian and being a churchgoer. Yeah, no, he was his, his when he discovered religion, it became very personal to him. But he actually had very little faith in the church. Sure, it's kind of fascinating. Wise, it, his 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 story is kind of interesting. Uh, and but this well, one though, 
drink me potion like, yeah. as a as a standalone. Yeah, is great beer. Definitely isn't it my favorite. I mean, it's I love cool a, beer. I, I love anything that has like sour berry business. Yeah. I don't yeah. like a little I don't get the coriander. And granted, maybe because thing? no coriander. Yeah, it's very well, very also, very 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 mild. Well, maybe if also this was the first thing I drank, I might notice it. I fully admit that after these drinks here, my palate's a little numb. But I still, yeah. but well, that's I why I did the. I don't that's, smell that's it the either. confidence. That's the confidence of putting this at the end. This is a high volume beer, right? The flavor is there. What is in there? I don't know, a couple of berries, right? But it's just pow. It's like juicy jelly you can jam. Smell how yeah, super intense, and high volume thing. Is, yeah. right, if you're doing right the pairings, you, you finish with a high volume thing for sure. But um, but it's not too tart. You you get oh. more fruit than just tart. Yeah, it's like fruit tart, not like. Oh, tart, it's tart. like sour, sour, sour. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't always want like a super sour beer. Yeah. Just like sour for the sake of sourness. I would, like, no, I would almost to taste good. I would almost not call this a sour beer. I would call it like a. Well, they didn't call it a sour beer. No, it's they called tart it a tart. Beer. They call it a tart. Yeah. It's not a sour. Mm-hmm. They don't list what mm-hmm. kind of yeast they use, but it's not a sour. But I would say that this is less tart than um, the one with the grapes. Um, the four hands. The four hands was pretty fucking tart. Aaron, I don't think this is sour. Speaking of brewing science, I don't drink it by itself. It doesn't taste like there's any, no no kettle souring, nothing. Sorry, I know we keep throwing sour in there, but I'm pretty sure no, we the, all mean tart. Yeah, no, they're all the same. All the same word. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think this is just. I think it's this tart. is just pH. Yeah, I mean, not- I like it so much that this is my lowest ratio of tapache. This is oh, yeah. two. Two beer to one tapache. Totally. You could go eighty-five percent beer with a splash of tapache, and this is, and it's lovely. Stuff. It's a really nice add, mix. If you take a drink, if you have the drinking potion, and then don't touch, don't drink anything else for like about a minute. That's where the coriander hangs out. Oh, okay. Try it's that. very much an aftertaste. And granted, I cook with a lot of coriander, so maybe I'm pretty sensitive to it. I really like coriander. It hangs out at the very, very end. Now you're thinking you're talking about coriander, not cilantro. Human. No, I am. Yeah, I am. Wait, is there actually is there actually a distinction between coriander coriander? And uh, I don't know. We should do this one. We did bombers and proboscis and cavevri. Let's do cumin in cor- coriander and cilantro. So, is anybody a, salt, a soap cilantro person here? So coriander what? is basically oh, the soap. seed. Yeah, of the I, love, I love cilantro. I'm not. Coriander, oh, I'm sorry. Is the, coriander is the seed of the cilantro plant. Yeah, you plant and they the actually, cilantro. And they have different flavors. Coriander. Oh, why was I saying cumin? It is cilantro. Yeah. Yeah. So I use cilantro all the time, but I don't. I could not tell you the last time I put, used coriander for anything. Yeah, what do you use coriander for, Aaron? I mean, sometimes the recipe calls for it, I put it in there, but I'm never like, you know what this needs is some coriander. I like, to, sure put, I I like to put coriander. <laughs> I like to put coriander. I have got cumin. But... I like to put coriander in my uh, sausages when I make sausage. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when I make sauerkraut, I'll put some coriander in it, along with my like fennel and some rye, some dill. Maybe the next time you make a tart ale with raspberries and strawberries, you should put some coriander in it. 
Well, I've never made a tart ale with raspberries and strawberries. Well, you should make. Oh shit! You know what? You know what I did put coriander in? Hmm. The tamarind cider. Ooh. Ah. I, no, uh, by the way, acor- according to the internet, <laughs> coriander is just the Spanish word, or cilantro is just the Spanish word for coriander. So I know that well, technically the distinction is the seed is coriander, the the leafy greens are cilantro, but apper- apparently one is the Spanish and one is the not. I wonder if in Spanish speaking countries they call it cilantro seed. Maybe. Maybe. All I know is that cilantro uh, is technically from Asia, which is why they think, and there's actually some other physical evidence of that, that um, uh, ancient, ancient, ancient Chinese traders traded with um, South Americans before the Spanish ever got there. Yeah. What was that guy? I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of things that, that speak to that. Yeah, no, like the South, yeah, like mm-hmm. South Americans and the Chinese traded like a thousand years before the Spanish showed up and fucked everything up. Was it Zheng He? What was that guy who like? Yeah, yeah. Zeng, you got Wikipedia. Zheng, Zheng. I'm I, I'm gonna butcher. This oh, yeah, you're gonna have to spell that. Zheng He. Z H E N G space H E. Zheng He. I'll just uh, you can read read it yourself, but uh, I'm gonna read, give one sentence here. He he uh, c- he was commanded ex- expeditionary voyages, treasure voyages, all or went to Africa and everywhere from 1405 to 1433, so way earlier than Columbus. According to his to legend, his larger ships carried hundreds of sailors on four decks and were almost twice as long as any wooden ship ever recorded. I'll let you do your own going from yeah. there. But Zheng He, there was a book about this guy, came out maybe 15, 20 years ago. Seven Voyages of Zheng He that was just like bonkers. It was one of these like hidden stories that we don't hear about because <laughs> white people wrote history. So it's um, interesting. Yeah, they have found like ancient Chinese story. coins in like, fucking, like you know, mm-hmm. like the, 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 Western, the Western coast of South America. That date yeah. back like centuries before Europeans showed up, and it was just it was like yeah no they just traded with each other, like the Chinese brought spices and they took sure. back fruits and they like you know yeah. I mean, if this guy Zhang He in like fourteen ten was doing stuff like that, how about thirty years later he's like let's go that way and see what's there. <laughs> he's gonna find South America, right? I do I do Find-o. like the idea of an explorer going what are we what, what are we gonna do I don't know that way. Let's go. We've gone west. Yeah. We'll either find something Second or we'll die. Left, right? mm. But it's in some like cultures, the... what's the difference? Right. right? Yeah. That's, but I do like the idea, like at the end of Star Trek, the motion picture, where Kurt goes that way. Yeah. You see that, that dot over there? Go there. Go that way. I like the idea of explorers to say, like, what are our goals? I don't know. Find shit. Go. Go. Hope we don't die. Go. Yeah. And if we do, then today is a good it's, day. It's the will die. of the prophets if we die. And also, Bean, you're right. Like a little bit of Tapache with the Von Ebert is a perfect, perfect mix. Mm-hmm. S- splash of Tapache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And really, it just kind of like 
turns down the volume essentially. It's just right, like yeah, drinking a totally. fruit salad then. Smooths it's it out tart. a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that we're missing, only major beer beer category on the beer pyramid that we're missing is mm-hmm. uh, dark beers. And Tipache goes fantastically with dark beers. One of my favorite sort of go-tos. Um, dark beers uh, outside of really intense barrel-aged stouts are not cool enough. People don't make dark beers very often, so we, I couldn't get one in the middle of the summer. Uh, we... Um, a, a great locally made one is um, gigantic LP stout. In fact, yeah. maybe Aaron, if I if we're correct here, it's the are you best going locally against, made. Are you going against McMinimins? In a bottle, the best locally made stout in a bottle, right? Because McMinimins is not bottling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but goes great. So if you're doing dark dark beers like porters and stouts, it's like ninety percent tapache. 10% beer because, you know, dark beers have so much flavor for what they're packing. Not a lot of complexity it's, necessarily, but a lot of flavor. It's like dipping a dipping pineapple in like dark chocolate really quick. Right. You want all that pineapple underneath it. Exactly. Or chocolate, yeah. chocolate covered candy pineapple. Yeah. I am going to, I'm going to order another bottle to Pachi when I get a chance because I have one can of the, um, the Porter from Montevilla that was aged in a uh, Paleo Santo wood. Ooh. Which, by the way, is some of the best aged porter I've ever had in my life. That wood, what that, what that wood does to that porter is phenomenal. Mm. Mm. Um, what kind of wood? Uh, pa- the Palio Santo wood. Go ahead, correct Wait. my pronunciation. That's fine. No, I just I didn't know. I've that also that drank was, a lot now, so my some... my tongue's not working. I know. Um, I just, I didn't know that you could use that as a um, as like a smoking or like culinary device. Also, I didn't either, but I plan on it now. That was the only reason I was asking. I was going to let that one slide. That's fine. I and think also, it's uh, like a it is a culinary thing, right? It's more of a ritual. I, I had not actually. I'd only ever heard of it used in yeah, kind of like yeah. like spellcraft and ritual. Yeah, it's a ritualistic thing. wood used Speaking in of Central which, and South America. Yeah, I've heard about people using it as like a marinating thing, or maybe it's got like a very a, distinct flavor. I mean, it smells wonderful. So why couldn't you use it for marinades or uh, smoke, yeah. smokes? At the simplest level, it's a essential essential wood. Yeah. yeah. Also, wood, uh, so this week I'm getting the uh, the black is beautiful from Fort George, so I'll try that out too. Oh, there are a hundred. Bre- we talked about this last time I was on the show. Black is beautiful. Yeah. I think there are 100 Oregon breweries that are doing this black is beautiful thing. So that's just like super cool. And the earliest ones are coming out now. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Fort one from George Fort George. They teamed soon. up with Bowie, and they teamed up yeah. with Astoria Coffee Roasters. They put a little coffee spin on theirs. So. Yep. Yeah. I actually, you know, we're seeing since last time I was on, I talked about black is beautiful being uh, the same recipe. Everyone has kind of taken that and said, here's the same base recipe, but there's a lot of twists. I kind of, I I like that because it it makes um, beer collectors want to get multiple renditions of it. So it increases the value. Who else in town is doing it then? I just saw an article on Brew Public or um, New School, I'm not sure, with a list of, there was a hundred Oregon breweries that were doing wow. Black is Beautiful uh, beer. 
which is crazy. So I, I haven't seen the list, but I saw the article for it. Uh, I just wanted to point out, like, and then if I'm totally off off the ball here, so be it. But uh, does anyone else think that the fact that coffee was such a go-to for all of the brewers feels like a little too on the nose? Depends on where the coffee came from, right? Did they grow it in their own backyard, or did brown people pick it? Yeah. I mean, well, no, I just mean because like coffee, like coffee has a connotation of like being black, you know. Because how do you take uh, your coffee? Black, black is the well, correct no, I just, way. Just coffee, just coffee goes well with stout. That's fair enough. I don't know. I, I had a really long and kind of complicated conversation about race today, so maybe oh, I'm just a little fair. bit more conscientious about. Well, I'm like, is that is that being indirectly or unintentionally racist? Well, it's more my brain is at right now. Was the coffee harvested in a, a way above fair trade level? You know, if not, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you know, this you, the roaster right? that they teamed up with this does a lot of good fair trade stuff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, I have, you know, you're a, you're a white brewer and you're walking into that conversation. The first thing out of your mouth should be, "Give me the most ethically fair traded coffee that you've got." <laughs> Right. Yeah, and, I, and, and then I've we'll got, talk about flavor. I've got I've yeah. got some pretty good faith in Fort George. I've never seen them pull some shady shit. They seem like good folks. All right, we talked Uh-oh. about J.K. Rowling. I didn't want to bring this up, but they released a beer recent a beer recently called Male Owl. Like, oh yeah, I remember that because I commented on they it. Just last you have a problem week. with you have a problem with the male owl. They have a fucking beer called Male Owl. But by the way, M A I L for the listeners, and also he's wearing he's wearing a blue satchel and a little blue hat like a mailman. If anybody in the world says mail out, what's the first thing you think? Uh, you think Hedwig, not Angry Inch. I thought it was called fan mail. Harry Potter. It's called mail owl. Maybe they changed it because they heard my one tweet with beans one like. No, I, am I the only one who responded to your tweet? Very much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you make make that beer ten years ago when J.K. was like cool, but I, but I actually think they. No, it's I called Mail Al. I don't. I don't think they changed it. Well, it also might be the things that like they couldn't. It was so deep in the pipeline. That, oh, by the way, and it's, it's a collaboration. Spend some more money. To it's make a collaboration, it right. by the way, Fort George and uh, Great Notion. Well, I still stand oh, by it. I think the Fort George people are okay, folks. Sure, everybody makes I, mistakes. I don't right? think that it's but, a JK or like a Harry Potter reference at all. If he was, if he was wearing like a little, um, like a little black robe or had a wand or some sort of pointy hat, something that was Harry Potter esque in in its artistic reference, I would one hundred percent back you on that tweet. But he's dressed like a mailman. And who doesn't love the USPS? Who else delivers mail by owl? I don't, but Harry, but like J.K. Rowling slash the Harry Potter universe didn't invent that concept either. They don't own it. Oh, I didn't know that. You tell me. No, no, I don't think that they own Or is that like a thing? Well, for one, an owl is a, uh, is one of the common quote unquote, which is familiars. Birds as male carriers has been a concept for a very long time. Delivering the babies and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, pigeons for messengers. Well, I'm not. I'm not the guy, clearly, to give a, a pass or a or a condemnation. But and um, no sack. It's not an owl with a boner. That's why I spelled it out specifically because of you. 
these people. <laughs> no, I, I told, I, I agree. Like if someone was to bust out with a Harry Potter themed beer right now, right. It'd be like, really, That's really like dude. Slap in the face. It's, yeah. it's very uh, tone deaf. To be sure, yeah, but I don't I, think that's what they were doing, and that's less a defense of Fort George, whom I do in fact love. I won't like pretend that's not true, but I'm not necessarily defending Fort George. I just don't agree with your interpretation. Okay, well, yeah, I'm will, looking. At, I'm hold, looking at their label. There's nothing hold that about it. They're they're literally wearing the USPS blue hat. This is just apparently this is my lack of knowledge about the the rich and and storied culture of owls delivering mail <laughs> both male and female delivering Ooh. mail <laughs> that's a good save that's a really, really good save yeah um although oh god and now i'm going to forget what it was uh there was a, a something along these same lines of conversation that i was going to bring up because i saw it recently but we I got all caught up in the owl business, and now I've lost track of what it was. But Founders is still canceled. All listeners, if you if you drink Founders beer, you got me to answer to. They are devoutly racist. Now that so, I will back you on. So here's the thing: is yes, I served in the military, uh, and yes, I am an American citizen, born and raised. However, I have never, ever in my life had any sort of strong feelings about being patriotic. Uh, about like my reasons for being a service member are not, I think, the same as other people's. And uh, I've never given two shits about the Founding Fathers. My love for the Hamilton musical aside, and I know it's problematic, I I, I think that the 4th of July is a bullshit holiday. I, I think that patriotism in this country, especially in the last ever, never mind, I'm not even going to like narrow it down to a certain century or decade. I think that being super patriotic about America is just propaganda. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, if don't, <laughs> I am not going to support any group that is big basing their culture around the founding fathers. Cause they were all terrible people. You know, I was actually having this conversation with my wife recently that, uh, there are only X number of countries um, in the world that have the, the privilege, right, whatever opportunity to have an independence day, whatever their independence mm-hmm. day is. Every country should celebrate veterans day. Tragically, every country should celebrate labor day or Memorial day, Thanksgiving Memorial day. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, what is 4th of July other than sort of, yeah, it's, it has this heavily imperialistic, it's uh, it's literally an arbitrary right. date that a bunch of guys decided on or that chose uh, like like well let's pick this day from this week because this is the week that we decided that we don't want to be subjects of the crown anymore and while and it, there are general reasons for deciding not to be subjects of the crown anymore were valid their uh, perceptions about what validated you as a person. As a human what, yeah, being. what made you a person, yeah. 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 So, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, all men are created equal. But they literally, literally did not mean also women or also people of color. Yeah. Literally, right. they meant if you own land and are a white, rich dude. Yeah, it's still the case, you know. If, you, if you're not a landowner, it's, it's difficult to fully participate in even your local government. Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, like, I don't, I just, I don't, and this is probably 
inaccurate and, and definitely undereducated of an opinion, but I just don't think that other countries fed, who look of the countries that have an independence day and have a history of coming out from this, from under the subjugation of someone else. I don't think that they fetishize their history of that and the iconic people involved to the same extent that we do. I mean, and I the just, biggest one might I've be, never understood why. The biggest one might be Bastille day in France. But I'm pretty sure that has to be with them, like, you know, executing the royalty and the aristocrats. Yeah, and that's like French on French rather than... <clears throat> yeah. It's like Civil War Day. We don't have Civil War Day. Also, you know? it's so weird that America celebrates its freedom on the day it basically declared war, not won the war. Right, yeah, yeah. Day. They hadn't even yeah. gotten into it yet. They were just like... We're, this, this is the day that we say fuck you to King George. Yeah, yeah. It's not even the same day that they all agreed. Yeah, it's it's not the day that the British said like, all right, fine. It's the day that the country mm-hmm. that they that these men decided we're done paying taxes to the crown. Yeah, we're we're so into Independence Day that we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, even though Mexico doesn't really. So it's, it's not like, Mexican it, Independence it's not Day. Even Mexican Independence. It's our fucking day. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the things that like I discussed with my with my yeah. with my uh, yeah. friend today. With it's whom literally I had, like, the Battle of Puebla. Complex. It's not even fucking Mexican independence, yeah. which I think is September twenty first. Uh, it's September something to be sure. Yeah. There you go. By the way, and the, yeah, them. I know more about American. Hi- I know more about American history than I do about Mexican history. Well, for anyone who ever wants to ask me for my green card again. That's where I make up for my lack of my uh, my the language. Is knowing more Mexican history than Spanish yeah. language? Yep. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, I, I think especially like in the current political climate, you get more mileage out of much, knowing Mexican history versus speaking uh, Spanish. Much, much like Lieutenant Worf, if you are removed from the culture but want to be a part of it, you dive in hard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Cable gets that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a whole other show. Uh, and I guess in that respect, in respect, I should thank you for that because, um, like, if you ask my mom, she'll be like, I taught you about our culture, but she might think she did or she might feel like she did, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough it, it, to the point where, again, like, I don't feel hyper-American with my patriotism or anything like that, but I also don't really feel hyper-Mexican because I don't know as much as I could about that culture. And while I was raised to speak Spanish um, first... That was, that was because that, that was the resource. Not it wasn't a my, choice, you know. My my family taught it a little bit. I actively sought it out from like a very young age, and would ask family members or would do research. I, I actively sought it out because I I felt a connection to it that I that I wanted to know more about. <clears throat> we should also get to wrapping up the show here. Mm. I will stop ranting now. No, that's the budget. Is empty. I think I should <laughs> stop drinking. Uh, my, I've got one more that's half full. Because I always see Tapache as half full, man. <clears throat> so, as we, as we wrap I'm it up, I'm going to have to cork mine off. As we wrap this, yeah. Oh, wait. You mean cover the bottle? That sounded so much more naughtier. Or I'm buzzed. I'll give you that. Or both. That. Or both. Um, so, Nat, as we get close to wrapping this up, 
I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, of which you have no idea this was coming. But I feel Rip. like eventually Rip. this. I feel like this show eventually needs to do a collaborative cider with Reverend Ed. I know we had Tatooine Dream, kind of a one-off. Yes. But I feel like that one day, episode five hundred. That's right. I feel like one day there needs to be something. You know, just saying. A bottle. A bottle. Yeah. Yeah. That has you your logo a, a printed and our logo on it. Label. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we've done. Oh, so you with... you want a permanent fixture? That's Something right. That well, it never could be limited. He'll, keep... he'll mount above Black Phillip on the way to the basement, and that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it'll oh, make it seasonal. Desire to go down there. Make it yeah. seasonal, and it would absolutely be an October beer. We can do this. The the proud the 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 sworn, and we have to get this publicly uh, recorded for all eternity, is that it will not be a mead in any circumstances no. under any oh. possible. No, I no promise it won't be. Confirmed. Can it have? Can it have honey in approved. it? That's not a mead, but sure, yes. Actually, I don't want to brew that. I don't want to do that. It's fine. I, we want. We should go a little crazy, though. I don't know what it is. It won't so be a mead. Basically, you're saying you want Reverend Nat's seasonal geek in the cider. Can it have geeks in it? <laughs> Made from yes. real geek. Made, yeah. from, Made real from real geeks. geeks. Bits of floating geek in there. Hey, yeah. if what's their faces can make beer out of someone else's facial hair, then. Fuck it. Now you know, Cable. Nothing. Now clearly, you know. nothing is off the table. Gross. <laughs> That's gross. I know. We can call it, we can call sorry, it Reverend Nat. Sorry, Nat. I know you were trying to avoid knowing, and I forgot. <laughs> how about how, what episode are we on right now? Five five six. This is five fifty six. Five five six. Ah, I was say for six six six. That would be. Yeah, a we're good so one far to, away. Uh, make, uh, yeah. It's well, well hold on. Away. You're implying that we like we might not either be doing this show by then no, or I'm not just be impatient. friends with Nat. I'm just impatient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Bean, that's almost six, six, four six. years away. That's, ugh, that's a long way away. No, what you're right. Just, I'm going to get sick of you guys by then. Yeah, Ooh, what if we solid. just do a time thing where we talk about how, like, on episode 666, this is what happened. Let's all watch Tenet on August 12th and figure <sighs> that shit out. Well, no, this is what and I'm then, saying. Like, uh, We'll make it seasonal, and it has to be October. It has to be a fall, autumnal situation. That's what Bean... Bean declares, Bean decides. Yep. Yeah. This is true. Right. She does. So this fall, we make a what episode? Approximate <laughs> how many, episode how many will be on. This fall. In like um, three. By fall, months? we'll be on like. 15. We'll be probably like on five, seven. You won't be on 600. Like at 12. Yeah. No, at 10 to where we're at right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, five, five, sixty, five, sixty-six ish. Maybe even 570. That's a nice rounder. Uh, or just skip the numbers and make something delicious. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's not tire sauce. Dad. We have to like get some. Uh, we're moving our production facility to a much larger place in another maybe two months, something like that. Are you closing um, the tap room? That's going to be a huge change. Well, the tap room's closed right now anyway because of all this crap. Well, right. Um, no, but yeah. this has been in the works for a long time. Yeah, and I don't think that the tap room is going to be open. We tried some openings of the tap room Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. to see if people showed up. A couple people showed up, which is not worth it. Um, so this this week we made That's the window. sad but not terribly sad decision to lay off our one bar person. Um, she'll probably make more money on unemployment than she will working for us. Um, oh, we love her though. So we're not doing any in-person stuff, um, which makes a little bit of a challenge with our move to our, our new production facility move. Uh, 
I'm a hundred percent committing, but I'm not committing to when I want to have a nice stable place for us to develop whatever we want to put. If we want to put bits of geeks in there or whatever, <laughs> I want to have the right facility to do it. Get your, in, get your geek sure. zester out. I was yeah. just being an asshole and putting you on the spot. I freely admit that. It's a, it's a big, it's a big, it's a planer. It's a geek planer. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe Roughly we just time it with like, size. maybe we just time it with like Tolkien's birthday also. Just do one massive blowout. October 21st. Yeah. Oh, wait, is that October 21st? Yeah. That's also my wedding. September 21st. Mm-hmm. Wait, September, September or October? We're not making it, we're not making it your September. wedding cider. No. That makes it all about I've you. Done, I've done. Tolkien ciders before. <laughs> when was when week. was that? That's what we uh, I don't called remember it. That one. Yeah, I missed uh, that three one. Three years ago, we got permission from the Saul Zaints Corporation to um, air the animated uh, Hobbit and Lord <clears throat> of the Rings and um, Two Towers, but not Return of the King because they ran out of money to make Return of the King animated. <laughs> um, we got permission from them. Actually, Saul Zaints, I emailed the guy. Just I was like, whatever, I'm going to email him. And um, his son or something, whatever. He went back and he was like, yeah, we normally charge like $500 to, for permissions to do the viewing, but will you give a $500 donation to your local food bank? In which case we give you permission to do it. And I was like, sweet dude. So we gave $500 to the food compromise. bank. Yeah. That's and cool. he goes, he's like, I don't want to deal with like any of these papers and stuff. So, um, that's what we did. And then we showed the movies at the tap room and like four people showed up. So it was cool. Was that the one where you allegedly yeah. had weed in the cider also? Allegedly, I said allegedly. With a dungeon, there was a rumor. Guys. There was a, was rumor, a about rumor there being about there being uh, tetrahydrocannabinoid. Half, in there. Halfling leaf yeah. is what we call it in the Shire. Mm. <laughs> Long bottom leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that uh, note, we should wrap up the show for real. Wait, Longbottom? Long isn't that where SpongeBob lives? That's Neville. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway. Perfect time. All right. With that being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Beanerita. I'm Cable Hashitani. And our guest I'm has been Reverend Nat. Okay, guy. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week where I think we might have Greg Rucka on. Uh, well, we should probably confirm that. I should confirm that. We're going to talk, about, talk about that well, new Netflix movie. Yeah, the Old Guard. The also, Old remember Guard. last time we had Greg on, he promised after Old Guard, he would also come on and talk about how he would completely rebuild DC Comics if he was the editor in chief. Ooh, I would love to have that conversation. Yeah, I'm going to shave my head and murder Cable for next week, just so I can take his spot. Do I look <laughs> I like? I mean. You... I mean, we, we can just swap out. Yeah. We can just tag team out. It's it's totally fine. Cable's so tired right I'm, now. He's I'm like, pro, I'm off? pro more Reverend Nat, but I'm con you killing Cable. Okay. So <laughs> find a compromise, you two. We'll work on that. Yeah. All right. All right. You can just that, be the uh, mirror universe me with hair and beard. Exactly. Oh. It's like it's like oh, a mock oh, time. Oh. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but we didn't talk about general stuff before the show started, but I have an interview the day after tomorrow, so please everyone send me your your positive brainwaves. Send, send Bean good energy because she needs a job. Yes. And I can't, I don't make enough yet to employ her. Not so hard, Nat. Not so hard. <laughs> don't hurt it? yourself. That's all I had. <laughs> okay, send. fine. Go, all go all in. I, and I, then, I uh, that. 
Yeah. Finally, I usually end this show by uh, telling Ted Wheeler to resign. But, Nat, do you want to say it for me? Fuck Ted Wheeler.